<laughs> well, thank you so much. I am a, 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 I don't like pre-applause, okay? Um, hold off on that, okay? Hang with me a few minutes. You may change your minds in, in a couple of seconds here. Uh, me and Melissa and I, my wife and I, we love uh, Dan and Carolina, and they are great people. And so thanks so much for having us here. And you need to know something about them. Um, they are the real deal. Um, a lot of times we see this in churches today. Um, the leaders are different people off the stage or whatever. But man, in Vegas, in here, whatever, they are the real deal. And they love you. And their heart beats for this valley. And we are honored uh, to be here with you this weekend. And like Dan said, I am from Phoenix, Arizona. I actually grew up in Oklahoma. And I'm a Sooners fan, but I live in, in Phoenix now. And I've tried to become a sports fan in Arizona, but that is work. I mean, it's just, there's no joy in it. It's just straight work. And so I'm kind of giving up on that. Um, so who are our Cougar fans? Cougs? Okay. There's like 11 of you. That's good. Um, who, who are the Husky fans? Okay. Zags fans? Oh, there, there we have it. Okay, that, that's, that's what we like to hear. Um, it has been amazing being here. Um, we flew in yesterday, and <clears throat> it was green. You, you have more green on your campus than the state of Arizona. And so it's just really cool uh, to be here and be a part of that. Um, and just, just to see it and enjoy it. And we looked at our, our hotel window today, and we saw a creature that we didn't know what it was. Um, it was like a beaver, but it had a small tail. What? A marmot? What do you do with that? I mean, what? Do you eat it? What, what happens? Does it bite you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I have no idea. We didn't know what it was. Thought about Googling it, and then I was like, I don't want that on my search history. People seeing that think I'm really knowing I'm an idiot. Um, but anyway, it's, it's good to be here. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in Dan, though. And the, and the fact that he, he's been saying for years, hey, we want to come up, have you come up, be here with us. And then he asked me to come up here and be here on a weekend when he's too scared to talk about the topic we're talking about today. <laughs> we're, we're talking about how we can kind of understand when God's, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And I'm like, what a coward. You're going to leave that one to me. You know, why can't you let me talk about money or, you know, transgender kind of stuff, you know, easy stuff, <laughs> you know, but he, he leaves me with this. Um, but it's, it's so good that you guys are diving into this, this, this series on the Holy Spirit. And it really is a forgotten God. It, it's one that we don't lean into. And I'm actually in the midst of a book right now with a group of guys um, by an author named J.D. Greer entitled Jesus Continued. And, and the subtitle of the book is The Holy Spirit Inside of You is Better Than Jesus Beside You. And it, it's a powerful, powerful book. And there is just something so unique and so refreshing about the Holy Spirit and, and letting that work in our lives. And so for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, a lot of times we find ourselves in these situations where we're like, okay, God, what do I do? You know, <clears throat> where do I go? Who do I marry? Where do I go to college? What house should I buy? What car should I buy? And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest, we over-spiritualize that stuff. You know, I really don't think that God cares whether you buy the blue or the red car. I just don't think that really matters to him that much. But I think there are certain things in life that we pray about and we get caught up in and we get stuck. 
We think, man, this is such a good thing. This is a great thing. God, I'm trying to follow you. But in those moments, sometimes our emotions kind of take place. And we think, oh, this really feels good. So I think we should do it. And then we look back and like, oh, that wasn't the right thing to do. That, that, wasn't, that, that wasn't the feeling I was hoping it would come from. And maybe I trusted my emotions a little too much. And we get into spots and we look back and we're like, God, how do I know? Where, where did I go wrong? How did I miss your will speaking to me? Well, we're not alone in that. And there's this great story in Acts chapter 16. And it's this guy that if you've ever even opened the Bible, you've heard about, and his name is Paul. Now, none of us here would argue that Paul was trying to follow Jesus. Okay, he was, he was trying to do that with every fiber of his being. He changed his life completely, went through periods of where people didn't trust him, didn't like him, didn't understand him, weathered this whole entire life change, 180 degree life change Paul went through. And he's following Jesus with every fiber of his being. And we would even argue that he's probably still the greatest missionary the church has ever known. But they come upon this specific situation where he and a group of his friends are doing what they think God is wanting them to do. And it's preach the word. It's to share the gospel. The gospel being the story of Jesus. The good news of Jesus. The life-changing, eternity-altering message of Jesus. And that's what Paul's doing. And we as Christ followers would say, yes, that's, that's awesome. God always wants us to do that. Yeah, he does. But Paul runs into a circumstance where God says, not here, not now. Let me read this passage to you from Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse six. And Paul and his friends, in, including a man named Luke, who, who wrote the book of Acts, are, are together in this. And this is what it says. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia to Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Catch that? The Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going to preach. Now, a lot of times we think, why would God ever tell you not to preach? Well, it's because God knows a whole lot more than we do. He has a 50,000 foot view. We have a 5,000 foot view of things. But anyway, he, they said, don't do it. And then it continues in verse seven. Then coming to the borders of Mysiah, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, again, the second time, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now what's going on here? Paul and his friends are trying to do something good. They're trying to do something holy. They're trying to advance the gospel. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit is saying no. Have you ever been in a moment like that? You think, but God, this seems like such a good thing. I think my neighbors would really resonate this. I think my coworkers would really understand that. I think we really need to do this. But something just keeps preventing you from speaking out at just a certain time. So, so we have to ask ourselves, how did they know that it was the spirit that was telling them not to go? How, how did they know what was going on? And I just want to say thanks to Luke the author of the book of Acts for, for leaving that out. Okay. There's a lot of things in the scriptures that I wish were not there. Just going to be honest with you. There are a lot of things in scriptures that tells me I can't do that. I would really like to do. Okay. Let's just be honest. I, I'd like to do those things, or I'd like to not get in trouble for those things, or I would like not, I'd like to not pay the consequences for doing those things. There's a lot of things in the Bible I'd like to take out. 
But this is one I would like to put in. I think Luke should have had to have a little footnote with an asterisk down by that says, okay, pause for a second. This is how Paul knew that the spirit was speaking to him. But he doesn't do that. So it's very difficult to understand or to say exactly how the Holy Spirit said no. It could have been through a word. It could have been through a prophecy. It could have been an inward speaking of the Holy Spirit. It could have been circumstances. In this particular instance, we don't know. But one way or the other, Paul and his buddies, they got the message. And they were all in agreement with us. That Ephesus, the church to the east, would come later and not now. Now, I do believe that there are some things that we today can do to help us understand when the Spirit is, is speaking to us. There's some things that we can do in our lives that will enhance our awareness of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and that will help us discern. And I just want to talk about two of them for a couple of minutes. I know the list is much longer than that. We could go into the, but more of those. And in, in Greer's book, he talks about a whole lot more of them. But, but there, there's two of them that I think are really important. And the first one is, is God's word. When we are people who are in God's word, it becomes very easy for us to find out things that are not in God's word. We become so familiar with the scriptures. We, we learn the shepherd's voice so well that it's very difficult for us to accept a substitute. Have any of you heard the, the name Philip Nell? Philip Nell. Now, before I go any further, no offense to Philip Nell. You're like, oh my gosh, what's this guy going to say now? But have any of you heard of him? I'm so glad that you haven't. Okay? Philip Nell is one of the world's leading experts on Harry Potter. He is also one of the world's leading experts on Dr. Seuss. He is a professor at Kansas State University and has devoted his life to the study of Harry Potter and Dr. Seuss. No offense, Phil, but come on. I saw the Harry Potter movies, Green Eggs and Ham, Sam I Am, The Places Will Go. I'm down, but that's good enough for me. In-depth research and study on these topics. So can you imagine walking into his classroom at Kansas State University and challenging him on whether you are a muggle or not? Probably right in his sweet spot. And some of you are saying, what in the world's a muggle? That's us, okay? We're all kind of that way. But this guy is a world-renowned expert on Harry Potter and Dr. Seuss. No offense, but come on. What would it look like if we spent so much time in the word of God that when people heard our name, they thought, oh man, that Chad Goucher guy, he, he knows God's word. I, I'm just gonna just throw it out there. I would better, rather be known for that than having memorized the sorcerer's stone. Because I, I really believe that one day I will stand in front of God and I will give an account on how I handled his word and dealt with his people. I will never stand in front of J.K. Rowling or Dr. Seuss and give an account. Thank goodness. Because we'd all have to write crazy poems about how that would go. But ask yourself this, or, or, or consider this. 
In Galatians chapter three, verse two, it says this. The apostle Paul writes, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you had heard about Christ. There is something powerful about being in the Word of God. And when we align ourselves with the Word of God, it changes the way we see things. And it's the, it changes the way that we hear God speaking to us. I'm sure you have people in your life, just, just like I do, that say, you know, I just, I just don't feel God speaking to me. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck spiritually. I, I just don't know what to do next. And I'm saying, you know, when was the last time you read your Bible? Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you want to hear from God and you want direction? Why don't you read his word? It, it, it's there for you. Don't expect God to speak to you when you're not in his word. Romans 12 Verses one and two continues the same thought. And it says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You get in God's word and you start to understand what God's where God's taking you and teaching you and moving you. Paul and his, 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 his buddies were spending so much time in prayer and in the presence of God that they, they knew when God was speaking to them. They knew when the spirit was speaking to them. But I think a lot of times we get stuck because there's one word in that, that, that that's missing. It says God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. But it doesn't say it's painless. Man, sometimes following God's will is painful. He doesn't tell us any differently. Sometimes it's painful. It's confusing. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's hurtful. It leads us to places that we don't understand. So we have to be in God's word. Another thing I would encourage you to do to understand God's will and how, how it kind of works in our life is you spend time with God's people. You get in God's word and you spend time with God's people. It's often been said, show me your friends and I will show you where you will be in five years. Think about that. Think about your friend group. Think about the friend group of your children, of your spouse, of your other family members. What does that look like? You're on a path with those people. This is another reason why I think it is so important that we gather as a church body, in person, together. And of course, through COVID, we all had to make exceptions to that. And we all pivoted. We made changes. And we all got kind of used to pajama church. Right? We did it at our house. I would, I, I'm going to tell you, there were a lot of things about it that were easier for me. We do five services a weekend. Do two on Saturday, three on Sunday. And during COVID, I was filming one time a week. I felt like I had a part-time job. And I never will forget the day my family were gathered around and we're getting ready to watch me on TV, which was surreal 
and weird. And we're getting ready and we're preparing for service. And my daughter says, my, my daughter who's, who's, who's graduating college at the time, she said, who wants your communion bread toasted? <laughs> Man, that's when we knew we were getting a little too comfortable, okay? Now there's nothing in scripture that says we can't toast the communion bread. But man, some of us have got in that pattern and we've become lazy. And we say, you know, going to church is difficult. And God's people are not nice sometimes. They cut me off in the parking lot. They're hypocritical. They say bad things. They do awful things. They say one thing, they do another. I don't know if I really like God's people. I tell you, I don't know if I do either. I don't know if I do either. But there's something about being in God's house, opening up God's word, and being in God's presence together that the Spirit uses. And it goes beyond the emotion of singing a worship song. There's something bigger than that. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Your giftedness from the Spirit, the way the Spirit speaks to you, the way, that you, the way that the Spirit guides you, is not just for you. And a lot of us have this idea that our lives are our own. But what happens is, when we choose to follow Jesus, and what an amazing video of a baptism and life change and eternal addresses being changed. That is so awesome. And your cross over here with the lights on it, that is going to happen in my church. I'm just telling you, I'm stealing that, okay? I'm taking it. I'm going to claim it as my idea. I will give you credit once, and then it's mine after that. Okay, that's, that's the way it's going to work. We, we celebrate life change, but we, we think about when those things happen that our life is our own. When we make those decisions, we give up our life. Our life becomes Jesus' life, and it becomes his story being told through us. And sometimes our biggest conflict in understanding God's will is we want our story to funnel through God's will instead of God's will funneling through us. Acts chapter 15, verse 28 says this, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. See, there's a us there. There's this community in the spirit. We need people around us who can tell us when we're off track. And sometimes when we're at home watching on church all the time, now I'm not lock, knocking online church, it's great. And we have people that have never set foot on our campus that watch every week. But I do believe it's a placeholder and it's a substitute for when you can't be there in person. I, I really believe that. But let's just say that we are in tune with God's word and that God's spirit is being confirmed by the people around us. We, we're in a small group and we say, you know, God's been pushing me towards this. What do you think about this? And they, they pray with you over that and they think about that with you for, for, for a period of time. And you come to this agreement. Yeah, we, we're in agreement that the spirit is working here. What happens is, it, we, what happens next is what's really important. And that's what it really comes down to. The truth is, when it lines up with our desires and our plans, it's really easy to follow the Spirit's promptings. But when it doesn't, things get tricky. So I have to ask myself, what is our typical response 
to the Holy Spirit saying no or saying wait, just like you did to Paul. And we're gonna get the end of their story here in a minute, but what is our typical response when we, we think we're doing something good and we may be doing something really good, but God's saying not now or not here or not you. How, how do we respond? Well, I think we have a couple of typ typical responses to that. The first one is we pout and doubt. We, we, we pout about it. But God, I'm on your side. This is a good thing. This is, this is a great thing. This is what I'm supposed to do. And, and this is what you've equipped me to do. And now I'm not even sure you're real. I, I keep trying to do this, but you keep saying no. And so we start to doubt whether God is even real in those moments. Because if God was real and this is good, surely he would let me do this. When God may be saying, not now, not here, or not you. And when we pout and doubt, what happens is we get bitter. We get bitter. We get angry with God. We blame God for the things that go wrong in our life. We start to say, I, tr I tried God, but you didn't let me, so forget it. I'm out. And we give up. So I think one of the th things we do is we pout and doubt. Another thing that we, we do is we don't even acknowledge the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We call ourselves Christ followers and we get these stirrings inside of us. And we think, man, I, I should speak to that homeless person there on the corner. I should go next door and talk to my neighbor about that. I know that my coworker is struggling and hurting right now and I feel in my spirit, I should just go and sit with them, but we just ignore it. We ignore those promptings. And we just hope God will do something else through someone else that will reach them. Or, unfortunately, and even more tragically, we just don't care what happens. Because it's inconvenient for us. We pout, we doubt, we blame God. We don't acknowledge the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We say, you know, I don't think that's God talking to me. I think that was the Taco Bell I had, you know. A couple hours ago, I had Taco Bell and... I think that's what that is. It's not God. And then finally, I think we do this. And I think this is the one we do most. Is that we battle through and ask God to bless our plans. God, this is what I'm going to do. I need you to bless it. Do we earnestly pray? Graduates, here we're going to celebrate do you pray, God, where would you have me go to school? What would you have me do next? Or have we always just said, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what I'm gonna do. Do we say things like, God, who would you have me marry? Who, who is the person that you have chosen for me? God, where do you want me? Where, where do you want me to live? Guide me, direct me in those things. But typically what we do is we just, we plow through and we say, okay, God, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make this cake and I just need you to sprinkle the magic sauce on top of it. That's what we do, isn't it? I need, I need you to put the sprinkles on it and I'm guilty of that too. But we as Christ followers do that so much. We just bow through and say, okay, God, this is what I'm gonna do. I need you to bless it. And finally, I think what we need to do is we need to submit to the spirit at work in us. And that's those moments where we just say, okay, God, this isn't, my way isn't working. My way is unsettling 
my way is, it's not right. There's something in my spirit that's just not good. And so I'm going to trust you in those moments. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to let off the gas a little bit here, or I'm going to push the gas here. And we would all like to say, that's what we do. If we truly call ourselves Christ followers, we would like to say, I I just automatically always submit to the spirit working in me. I just, I just do what he says. No, you don't. I don't either. So I have to ask, why don't we do this? Why don't we just do this automatically? If we call ourselves Christ followers, why don't we do it? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Because a lot of times God's will is unknown. It's unknown. I didn't get my degree in that. I, I, didn't, I didn't get my degree in that. I, I'm not qualified to do that. I, I, I've never even been there before. I don't speak the language. I don't understand. It, it's unknown. It's uncomfortable for us sometimes. Now, God, I, I've got a really good bed at home. Man, it's, it's good. It's like memory foam, tilts. It's nice. It's cool. If I go over there, I got to sleep on, a, on the ground for a week or so. That's uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to eat. Okay? It's uncertain. We don't know the outcome. You know what? One of the beautiful things about the scriptures is we always see the outcome of all the stories throughout the Bible. Not all of them. There are a few. They're still out there hanging around. But for the most part, we get to see how it ended up. We didn't live in the tension that these characters did of not knowing what's next. We get to see the benefit of either their disobedience or their obedience, but we live in this uncertainty. What if this doesn't work? What if I'm not right? And the enemy speaks into us so many times. That's why it's important that we're in God's word and we're with God's people, that they can challenge us and confirm those moments. But here's what's awesome. If we can get through that unknown, that uncomfortable and that uncertainty of following the spirit of God, it leads to something unimaginable. It leads to something we could never do on our own. It leads us to places we, we didn't have the resources, the capacity, the education, or the wherewithal to ever get on our own. And God says, I told you, if you just listen. So what about our story? Paul and his buddies, they're like, hey, we can't go north. I'm not going to give you a, ge- a geography lesson here. You can do that. There's all kinds of things on, on Acts chapter 16 where you can see what's going on here. But they're not allowed to go north. They're not allowed to go east. They're not allowed to go south. So where do you go? You go west, young man. Go west. In Acts chapter 16, verse 8, it begins by saying this. So instead, they went on through Maesa to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, again, God's people, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. You know what the results of that was? The entire European continent heard the gospel. Wow. Now we could argue and we say, well, you know, 
God would have got there eventually. Somebody else would have done it. And you're, you're right. But it wouldn't have been done God's way, in God's people, in God's time. And sometimes we as Christ followers, we settle for these good things and we miss out on a great thing. It would have been a good thing for God to go, for, for Paul to go to Asia. But people had already been there. And God said, no, we need you to start going somewhere where, where no one has been yet. And, and he traded a good thing for a great thing. When we first moved to Phoenix, Arizona, my kids were five, three, and one. And we have this kind of small amusement park in Phoenix. Because nobody wants to go outside in the summer in Phoenix. So amusement park's not happening, okay? You'll die there. Just no. But there's a small amusement park there. It's called Castles and Coasters. And there's like four mini golf courses. And there's a few roller coasters. And you drive right down I-17 and you pass it all the time. And my kids would just beg to go to Castles and Coasters. We gotta go to Castles and Coasters. Yeah, we gotta go to Castles and Coasters. There's nothing wrong whatsoever with going to Castles and Coasters. But what they didn't know was that we were saving to go to Disneyland. That's what they didn't know. And so finally, one day we just said, okay, we're not gonna go to castles and coasters. So stop asking. And here's why we're not. It's not because we don't want you to go there and not because we don't want you to have fun because we know something better. We know there's something better. So we saved our money and we took them to Disney. Oh my Lord, we took them to Disney. And I never will forget my son, five years old. Dad, this is so much better than castles and coasters, right? But how many times do we as Christ followers say, I'm just good with a little mini golf and a roller coaster when God has something so much more for us. If we will just step through the unknown, the uncomfortable and the uncertain and let the unimaginable happen. Let's pray together. God, I just want to say thanks for the way that you show up and that you speak to us time and time again. Just give us the courage to listen. Give us the courage to be obedient. Surround us with your word. Let it penetrate our hearts. As Deuteronomy chapter six says, let it be just chiseled on the tablets of our hearts. May we be surrounded by God's people and through your word and through significant spiritual conversations with people, we can discern your will at a higher level than we've ever been before. And together, we can do something unimaginable for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.